Welcome back, and here we go for another episode of FileMaker Talk. Bring us home, buddy. Oh, yeah. Here, want a lasso twirl? <laughs> oh, nice. Well, the mats are back at it again. You know it. All right. Cut the music. We're good. Let's just start. Well, you know, we're, it's, 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 got, it's on its slow fade. It's on its All fade right. out. It's, it's fade. <laughs> oh, it's been too long. We say that too often. Don't we say that? That's, that should be our standard intro. Uh, yes. Matt, Matt how long has it been since you uh, did a uh, podcast episode? It's been a couple of months, I think. Uh, a few. Yeah, and you, so you're doing one now, right? We're, do, we're doing yeah. one now. Oh, cool. Isn't that enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we talked about doing one when 15 came out, but then a whole bunch of things happened. I think I, I don't know, I was sick for a while. I just got back from a vacation. So, but now we've got DevCon coming up in, well, I'm leaving Sunday to get there. I am also Days. leaving on Sunday. Um, so I definitely wanted to have an episode to talk about the stuff that we really care about for DevCon, what we're looking forward to seeing uh, from sessions. And so that's the focus of this one. Yes. And then before we do that, I do want to give a shout out and give props. Um, the only other uh, much more than consistent than us podcast, uh, FileMaker Success Tips, mm -hmm. they actually ended up winding down. Um, I wanted to congratulate them on a seriously strong run. They had they uh, wound down their podcast because one of the uh, guys that podcast, Lee, mm -hmm. uh, was actually having heart issues. And uh, I, I think that's right from what I listened to their last podcast. So I want to wish him luck and uh, Andy and... Uh, and they just did an awesome job with their podcast. I always checked in and uh, took a listen to what they were talking about. So. Yep. Yeah, they were great. And they had hundreds of episodes because they were really, you know, spot on every week pretty much. for Dude, yeah. They had yeah. format and they had yep. consistency. Mm -hmm. Nothing of what we have. <laughs> we have. We've developed some format, but yeah, yeah not with consistency. The format of <laughs> randomness. Uh, hey, are you able to? No, I can't. I'm busy this week. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, well. But when we do, we're talking about the goods. Yes, talking about the goods. Go deep in. FileMaker goods. So, where do you want to start with uh, DevCon? I think Dev we should Con. just start with DevCon. Yeah. Let's so just dive right in. We're going to go through sessions, man. Well, you're speaking and I'm speaking. Yep. We're both speaking. Yours is what? I'm doing a panel discussion on WebDirect. I've been right. doing more and more WebDirect lately, and it's, I think it's got a really important place uh, so I've got a few panelists that are going to be talking about some different different uh, um, custom apps uh, that they're. <laughs> you, and I, you and I were laughing about that phrase. Custom app is everything. Oh, custom um, app, custom app. Take well, hey, test. custom app. You know, other other thing in the news. I renamed my company. It's no longer MSN Media. Now it is AppWorks. I saw that with the little logo change with the brain and the gear and the light bulb socket. Yep. And uh, now. I want to jump back on the WebDirect thing. You were mm -hmm. actually working out, thinking of using WebDirect as for your company website. It worked. Yeah, out. I did. We actually got pretty far down that project to so that when you went to app.works, our website, um, it wouldn't actually be like a regular website. It would actually just entirely be WebDirect because we're not. We don't really ever have more than a few visitors at a time, so licensing would be fine. Um, well, but, I mean, you wouldn't even need to really worry about that. If you were sticking a proxy in front of mm -hmm. that, either like Varnish or Redis, mm -hmm. so that you didn't actually hit FileMaker, you could handle load, but it's just the fact that you would be using FileMaker to update the content. Yeah, and which we love. WebDirect to generate it. Exactly, you which we love. You just have to abandon uh, the interactivity because you wouldn't be using the Vaden aspect of it. Well, no, I wanted the interactivity. I, mean, uh, I really wanted the whole eat-your-own-dog-food thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but when, but there's two things that were really kind of killer, and the biggest one was really um, SEO optimization. There's, okay. You simply can't do it. Yep. There's, have... there's no place that you can insert into the raw HTML that I could we could figure out anyway um, for like a public-facing website where you really wanted to increase in Google ranking. Yep. Um, so that Google could spider your site and like walk down through your site, and then you could have a lot of metadata 
that would be visible just for search engines to know what the content was and blog posts and things like that. Um, that was one really big one. And the other one was um, Firefox compatibility. It's 10, 20% of the internet still, and that's a lot of people to cut off. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. When WebDirect first came out, I was just, uh, it's, it is a wonderful implementation, at least with regards to the fact that they're constantly maintaining state uh, through their mm -hmm. integration of Vaadin. But the one thing where I think that they just missed the mark was uh, integration. If, if they would allow integration with like other third-party libraries and some form of templating where you could control headers like your titles mm -hmm. and the things mm -hmm. that you want to do for SEO, I think it would have made it just that much sweeter of an experience. Well, I mean, it's a, still fairly new. It's a version 2, really, Yeah. Um, with 15. And, it's, and it definitely got a lot better in 15 performance-wise and stability-wise. And um, Anyway, so we're going to be talking about a lot of those aspects. But see, FileMaker doesn't really position it as a, hey, let's change your whole website over from, you know. Oh, yeah, no. Um, it's really for the things that we do use it for, which is an app for someone who wants to do something really specific for internal or small number of external use. It's perfect for that. Yep. Um, what's your session? Um, I am talking about designing in tight spaces. So basically just a uh, mobile first type of approach with regards to designing things. Mm, I like it. So I have a really, really cool uh, sample file. Well, I mean, I think it's cool. Nice. Um, I use uh, the intro is animated, but it is not a standard movie. So it's not something playing out of a container, and it, full, it supports full different uh, swiping. You can swipe in all the different directions, up, down, wow. side, and side. Well, when you do, do a demo file, you always put a ton of engineering into it. So that's something that people should not miss. The, I will not lie. There is enough in there that I actually I, I pre-ran uh, pre through my session and I went long. And I always like it when I go long. If I go short, then you know you have to come up with filler. But if right. I go long, you're like, you okay, cut. yeah, where am I going to – where yeah. do I need to speak faster or you know, what do I need to jump over? Yeah, so. cut, cut stuff and save stuff for the end if you have time. That's about usually a better approach because yes. you don't want to like speak faster and, and gloss because you know, then people get lost. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to showing everyone, uh, you know, just cool stuff that I've sort of figured out as I've designed mobile apps in FileMaker. So, but there's a lot of those actually. Speaking of uh, what's on the agenda, you want to go through the list? Let's go through the list. So we've both pulled up the um, a web the community website where uh, we have access as the as DevCon attendees to the list, and FileMaker breaks it down into if you haven't attended FileMaker before, they've got different sections, and those are core design, mobility, web, innovation, and business. So, what's one of the ones that you're interested in? Um, well, let's see. Starting the general session is always awesome. The interesting one this time is there's a general session follow up. Oh, there um, is. I see that. So usually that is a more geeky look, like an under the hood kind of a look at the stuff that they showed in the general session. Oh wait, though um, this is uh, it's by Mark Larachelle from yeah, Productive, Productive Computing. Computing. Mm -hmm. Content to be announced at DevCon, so we don't really get to know what that is. But that'll be great. Well, he he's uh, what I wonder what Productive Computing has in terms of their association with uh, FileMaker. Mm, yeah, they 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 frequently have partnered with. Certain companies, like the, their top-tier uh, Platinums, like Productive Computing, Angel City Data, um, Saliant, you know, those really, really long-standing, really awesome companies like that um, usually get uh, access to a little bit uh, better data than mm. second-tier Oh, so you like think he's company. probably going to just be showing, like, some of the implementation of the cool new stuff that they're going to put? Yeah, something like that. Versions? I, I, I honestly, I have no. I've heard no rumors, and I have no idea the kind of new things we're going to see. So, I'm really curious and looking forward to that. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, another one that you know, that looks really great is uh, deploying with Amazon EC2. Ah, have you done? Jesse, have you tried Jesse that? Barnum? Uh, not that much. And I'm really curious about it because I've got a couple of projects that I think are really going to be needing to do that. But like, if you have a database that has a huge amount of data and you want it to be cloud hosted, how can you get a, you know terabytes of data, uh, photos or something like that, served through FileMaker? So this will be interesting. 
Well, I've, um, I have used uh, Amazon myself, uh, not for actually spinning up. Well, I've spun up a server, but not something that I've actually continued to use. But uh, I can say that the cross-section of all their services, if you're looking for a one-stop shop, they pretty much have like everything that you could want when it comes to Amazon's web services. So it's going to be cool that Jesse's going to be talking about that. Yep, and he's always great. Um, let's see. Security in the cloud, Rosemary TG. Yeah, security is always something to be aware of, obviously. I mean, today, shoot, who, is, who hasn't been hacked and leaked a billion passwords? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was funny, there's... Um, but there are some who haven't been, so... Yeah. yeah. You know what? For Actually, for people who are listening, one of the reasons that you don't use the same password is that once one website has been hacked and your password is out there, there are so many little crawlers that basically just go through the database of yep. all of the, of the passwords and just go try other sites. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to use a password tool. You just got to yep, if you're you in technology. And you use the one called 1Password, don't you? Yes. That's what I do, too. I love it. Uh, and they have, a, they have a web version of it now. That has um, a shared thing. So, like for for our company, um, I have my personal one password. So, all my different websites that all have different passwords to, uh, for the account. But then we have we have other information that we need for like customers' remote desktops or something like that, where two or three of us at our company need access to the exact same resources to be able to support a customer. Right. But I wanted a secure place to store that. Um, not in a FileMaker database, but actually a, a proper secure location. And so 1Password has this uh, shared vault that you can actually share among multiple users. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen Great. that, where you can have the, the different vaults. Yep. And you can either use the 1Password app or make it just entirely web-based. Yeah. I love the integrated browser. So all you have to do is log in, uh, open that app on your phone, and then just tap on the URL in the app, and it actually just opens a browser for you. So you don't have to, like... It works on the mobile really well. Yep. Yes. Let's see. We got building developer friendly custom apps from Maka and Karnasau. She's great. Saliant. The one that I'm looking for, where I'm going to jump around here, is uh, down in where is it? Where is what I'm looking for? It's JavaScript. There it is. JavaScript is eating the world. Todd Geist. <laughs> so I basically um, I've done a lot of JavaScript um, and. He always has like good stuff, just stuff that he shows. He's worked a lot more with Node, uh, and he's actually, I think he is going to be talking about Node in terms of connecting to that through uh, FileMaker. In fact, he actually says, in this session, we will use Node.js to build custom servers. So he's basically going to show people how to spin up Node and how to use NPM probably mm. and load some modules, but then have FileMaker connect to that probably through the insert uh, URL. But of course, you can use it with... a other plugins like base elements to do mm -hmm. a lot of your uh, rest based stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely, well, that's been the wave of the future for a while now. <laughs> um, wave of the present. So yeah, that's going to be good stuff to see. Plus I love the super geeky things like that. There's another one too, cryptography, SSL on the FileMaker platform. Uh, that's been increasingly important for our servers and stuff like that. So David head from FileMaker is doing one on that. Secure yeah. communications. As, and we we did a long podcast about the security and stuff like that. Yes, you basically, we did. if you if you aren't familiar with that and you're going to run FileMaker Server, you got to become familiar with the security part first. It is way too easy to uh, just put something up that's uh, not secure and then just open up your whole server to being hacked. Yep. Yeah, like one plugin, you can really get into it. And well, any plugins, just one database with the default admin password is going to mess you up. That's true, yeah. And with um, a checkbox check to allow people to upload plugins to the server and then run them, and then they can you know, totally get a little wedge in the door. <laughs> oh, no. I, I don't know of any actual cases where something like that has happened to a FileMaker server, but uh, presumably there are some. Oh, there's got to be hundreds. You're not going to hear about them. Yeah, maybe. People are usually going to keep that pretty quiet. So let's see. I'm going to go through. I'm opening up the DevCon to Go app uh, here for myself, just to see what uh, all the other apps that I, or the courses that Sessions. I actually wanted to do. I haven't done that yet. I got back yesterday from Europe, so I. Well, we can actually uh, that mindset what would be, still. <laughs> what would be cool is um, uh, 
Klaus uh, Lavent, I forget that if how you say yeah. it. He actually redesigned the DevCon to go. He has that. Let's see. I think it's in. Uh, is it Innovation FileMaker Go? Very rapid. Yeah, designing DevCon to go. That's on a Thursday. Oh, I saw and that one. He actually is going to go through um, the things that he added to uh, the new DevCon to go. I think he did it from scratch. I believe redesigned it. I think you can go download it even if you're not going to DevCon. Uh, if you want to take a look at the inside of this application, you can probably go to the DevCon website, which uh, I'm going to say, I think off the top of my head, if you go to FileMaker.com slash DevCon, somewhere you'll be able to find that. Even if you Google it, you can probably find uh, DevCon to go uh, looking for that. And you can open up that file and find out what he's got in that. There's a couple of uh, really nice things. So the actual DubCon to go app that FileMaker is giving out is one that he worked on? Yeah. He completely, re- they handed it off to him, and he redid it. He integrated the uh, FM beacons or, he, uh, you know, a lot of the new FileMaker 15 features so they can show those off. In fact, nice. as, as speakers, I think we get to have, like, some little beacon on us if we want. It's elective. And then people can, you know, set their phone to scan. And if they find a beacon, it's sort of like a you know, get within a certain couple of feet, go ahead and stalk the speaker type game. <laughs> That's so funny. And of course, we can just turn our phones into beacons if we wanted to. Yes. Yeah. I might do that. Can you do the phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a ton of different apps that turn a phone into a beacon. Oh, Because it's just funny. a Bluetooth device. Right. A beacon is normally a super low power Bluetooth device. A phone has got a lot of power. So a beacon, a beacon is so low power that one internal battery can run the device for like two years. Yeah, but you have to. But you have to be pretty close. I mean, proximity. You've got to be within. Yeah, and it's very easy to disrupt. Hmm. He did put in a really nice feature into the uh, DevCon to go. It's um, it takes advantage of the the extensibility that they put in fifteen, where you he's basically exporting a file, and that file can be exported to a location like your iCloud Drive or Dropbox. And then you can use the extensibility or the plugin feature of FileMaker Go in order to go get that file. So I actually used that. I created my uh, my sessions or my personal schedule of what I wanted to see on my iPad, exported it to iCloud, and then opened it up right on my phone. And that was really convenient. Plus, you can uh, share yours if you want to pass it to somebody else or something. Although the if you share it to someone else, it doesn't actually indicate that it's somebody else's schedule that you're looking at. Um, hmm what I noticed. So, you know, I actually, one of the ones that I have in here was one of the vendor promo ones that I put in here. Uh, Sync is not a product. I was going to go look at, uh, go listen to Nick uh, or talk about his stuff. I mean, they base elements and everything that they create is always so good. I was going to actually, that's one of the items that I have on my uh, schedule. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because there's another one that's that is called is called Sync as a product. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not true. But I mean, there's a lot of people who actually have Sync products, right? Marisync and yep. And um, so it's I, I I love that discussion of like uh, another way to think about something that is super important to us. Um, sync is so key in in a mobile app. Yes. I mean, being uh, being able to have that mobile app disconnected. Catherine Russell uh, at Nightwing Enterprises mm-hmm. is actually doing the formal syncing scenarios for mobile custom apps. Mm. Dude, I'm going to highlight custom apps and see how many times that appears in all yeah. of them. <laughs> I have to say, you know, that in renaming my company, MSN Media was really never a good name. It's been my company name for 24 years or something like that. Um, but the fact that FileMaker is using custom apps so heavily uh, weighed in my decision to rename it AppWorks because we really do we build apps it doesn't have to, I don't have to call them custom apps but they are apps whether they're for um, uh, mobile or desktop yep I mean that's the word we use now for software yep. it's true shareware's dead it's apps <laughs> <laughs> shareware freeware it's not it's yeah they don't exist anymore Oh, Chris has a good one. Chris Hippolyte, uh, FileMaker Go and iOS apps, uh, one-step integration. So he's basically gonna, going to be focusing on uh, the FMP URL, but in particular talking to uh, different iOS apps and what you can do. Hmm. He's got like a OCR example where he passes to an OCR application and then uh, that comes back into FileMaker after it's been the text has been processed. Um, 
and lots of other examples. He actually put out a video on YouTube. If you're on Twitter and you uh, find him online, of he showed more specifically what he's mm. going to be talking about. That's using the handoff feature. Um, no, it's Something just else. just FMP URLs. Oh, all, okay, okay. all uh, most all. And I shouldn't say most all. If a device or an application decides to implement a URL scheme, so for example, um, take like OmniFocus. Instead of HTTP, you would call OmniFocus colon slash slash. So right. on the iOS device, whatever scheme is registered by an application, you can pass to that application. Mm-hmm. Then once that application is done with it, there's a thing called callbacks. And a callback URL allows you to, after the process finishes, go back into FileMaker. Mm-hmm. So there's one application. I did a video about it on uh, the magazine website called Workflow. And Workflow basically accesses all kinds of things in the iOS operating system plus other applications like the Photos app, etc. A really simple example would be you're in FileMaker and you basically you want somebody to, for some reason, take a... Uh, they want to show some type of motion, but they don't want to take a full video. So you tell mm-hmm. them, go take three pictures with your camera. You can tell FileMaker to call to Workflow. Workflow will grab the three most recent pictures out of the photo, combine them into a GIF, and then bring that GIF back into a FileMaker container field. Crazy. So that you can then... So, you know, you're not storing a full video. You're just showing a sequence of images, uh, which Workflow composed as one. Hmm. So lots of little different automation things like that. And it has full variables and logic branching and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can do some... Really crazy complex stuff on iOS devices, which is uh, pretty pretty nice. And Chris is going to be showing all about that stuff. I have to admit, I introduced him to Workflow. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Under the hood, Draco database engine. Oh, now that, I love the under the hood sessions. Those are always super well attended. If you are going to DevCon and you have not watched that. Just getting the insight of how things work, because Clay he gives that right. Yep. Yeah, so if Clay, because Clay is the primary engineer on uh, FileMaker, you know, way down there. He worked with uh, Chris way back in the day when they were out of college. Yeah. and Chris Krim, yeah. Created the uh, Draco engine, so he, you know, it's crazy. You build something and you know that there's really only one person that knows it if you're the person that built it every nook and cranny. He's yep. the guy. He knows every nook and cranny. And so, you know... It was almost like three, or three, four years ago, they kept all this stuff hidden. But now in the past two, three years, they're sort of like, sure, Clay, go out. Tell people how everything works. And I can't tell you how like invigorating that is. For, that, for them to get out and say, yes, here's how it works. It gives all of the developers in the community a sense of understanding that says, okay, thank you for sharing this information. Whereas before, it was always like, hush, hush, secret. Uh, we don't know if we can tell you that. Mm-hmm. They are really taking a, a positive direction in terms of you know what they're implementing and what they're sharing and how they're sharing it. So, props to Clay and FileMaker for doing that. Good stuff. John Howell's doing a couple of sessions. I'm interested to see that. Uh, I always loved hearing that guy. He's doing one called Powerful Event Management with Perform Script on Server, PSOS, we call that. That's going to be good. <laughs> When you say that so fast, I yes, just, I know. I it sounds like something I else. I can't get the I can't get the twelve or thirteen year old boy out of my head. Pea I know. Sauce. sauce. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to think about that. You don't want to think about that. <laughs> oh. But it's, it's faster than PSOS. Okay. Oh, there is one now. I have to admit, as a you know, as a speaker, you sort of we're uploading our slides, so I get access to some other people's slides. There's some. Slides that I've taken a look at already, and there's one that I'm really looking forward to um, because it is just, he provides a beautiful sample file. It is by Jordan Watson. I haven't met him. I don't don't know if you spoke before in the past, but he's from We Know Data, and it's called User Experience versus Usability. I think that is going to be a stellar Hmm. session. I've never seen him present, so I don't know what his uh, presentation style is. But uh, I'm, I've just based on seeing his slides and his sample file, I've got that one down that I'm going to be going to take a look at that myself. Cool. And actually, that follows me on Thursday. They gave him like the, the worst spot possible. Like, uh, what is it? It's like 
345, I think, on Thursday, the last day, just before oh, yeah. the closing session. Yeah. Oh, but if he knocks it that out of the park, slot. that is going to be a, a great way to end uh, DevCon. I want, I'm interested to see uh, the frictionless UX hacks from uh, Susan Prosser. I want to see, you know, okay, because I love doing a lot of the things now with FileMaker where I'm really trying to minimize the number of uh, how far something branches. So I'll create a button, and then that button's tied to a script, and that script is then dependent on a layout or some context or, you know, going somewhere. And I'm really trying to get things down to, okay, how can I make this button itself self-contained and pretty much do anything, everything in just the button and the script? You know, break away from the context, all the other things that you're trying to do when you're trying to make a uh, maintenance-less application, since you can't do maintenance-free. Right. Uh, designing custom apps for iOS, uh, Jan uh, from Infographics. That's going to be, a, I've got that on my schedule. That's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. That one, uh, I've seen his stuff. He has a different design style than me. He likes, he uses a lot more uh, brighter, more vibrant colors than I tend to use in some of my designs. But he also has another session on uh, grids. And he's, he's yeah, I saw that. going full on. If you, if you want to know how to use there's multiple ways you can use FileMaker's implementation of grids where it has a major and a minor. But mm-hmm. he, goes, uh, he goes on and fully shows a lot of examples about using the grid, a lot mm-hmm. of structure. And I know that Alexis Allen... She also is going to be talking about the grid. We've got, like, for example, I'm focused on the design just because I'm in that same category, too. There is a degree of overlap, but in the ones that are focused, you get more than just the here's how I, here's, you know, how I use it. Type right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, um, actually, that one from Alexis, I think it's going to be very interesting because she's a great visual designer and also a musician and a math nut, right? So she's got... All these different skills all coming together so perfectly in what we need is in, in FileMaker. So that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, she's got two of them, the math of design. And then I think she's also doing the executing design from ideas to action. Is that the one? Nope, that's, uh, that's Chi, or Chi. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say that from FileMaker. Right. I've got that on my schedule. Oh, she's doing introduction to uh, design. You write design? Oh, okay. Process. And uh, let's see. So we're going to have our, in mobility, we're pretty much going to have our building applications. Oh, Todd's uh, launcher file. If you are going to be doing a custom app, I can say that Todd's approach, I'm familiar with it because there's two different approaches if you're going to do a custom app with regards to updating the app itself. So we're not talking about updating. You mean an app in the app store? Yeah, an Mm -hmm. app that you actually deploy via MDM. There is a Mm -hmm. session based on that as well. Uh, versus you know something that you're just using FileMaker Go. I mean, right. e- either way, you can actually update your FileMaker file, and there's two different ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. You can do it with the file itself, but that you all, it always requires a secondary file because you can't have a file open in order for that file to be replaced. So the two right. scenarios are: Todd's is uses uses a launcher file. The launcher file is just a lightweight, uh, you know, basically a launcher that mm-hmm. mas- basically has a container which can go out. It can shut down your main application, and then he'll go out. He'll pull in a new one into a container and then uh, swap down. Okay. The alternative way is your main solution is the solution that opens, and what you do is you can download your new file. You export that file, but then you have to shut down your main file and the file that you downloaded needs to then export and replace on top of it. I like his... I, that may be mm. confusing. It's, it's basically... The and then more, the other option would be to actually update the entire app on the App Store. like you know. But then you have to say, how am I going to get my data saved? Exactly. You yeah. have to do, then do imports and exports. I mean, the whole key with mobile is you usually want to have your data in a separate file and use a separation model and just yes. update your UI file. And I don't know how that's supported in this model. It it is. I mean, you can you can if you're just swapping out a FileMaker file, mm-hmm. all of the rest of your FileMaker files, a la a data file, just stays there. Yeah. No, I mean, like if you have an App Store update, right? So you have a 1.0 to a 1.1 version of your app, which throws away everything and replaces the whole entire thing, all of the FileMakers 
files and uh, then replaces it with a new app. How, as, how to, in that as, scenario, how is your data saved? No, as far as I know, when you do an update, the binary of the app is still there, but the sandboxed data, which is the My Documents folder, should stay there. Oh, okay. It, okay. Doesn't, it doesn't mess with that. If, if, if Apple did that with all other applications, they would just basically be wiping out all people's data. Right. Yeah, so that, apps certainly have a way to have their sandbox data. I just haven't looked at that enough to, um, to know exactly how FileMaker would then access that sandbox data and preserve it from different versions. Yeah, no, your, your FileMaker files in a uh, custom app or, and FileMaker Go are stored mm-hmm. within the Get Documents Path folder. So that, that documents path is where you store all of your stuff, which okay. is actually really pretty cool. Have you ever put uh, a file in FileMaker Go and it's not a FileMaker file, like you mm-hmm. know a PDF yeah. or a text file? You can see how that lists and it shows within FileMaker's on-device section in FileMaker Go. Well, you can do that in your custom app, but of course you don't have a front end or an interface to see it there. So that's what makes a custom app really nice is you basically get to obscure the FileMaker user interface when you, you know, bind with the OA, uh, the uh, Xcode SDK, iOS right. SDK. So that, that's going to be a good session, that launcher file, if you're really interested in making solutions, whether you're deploying them via MDM or via uh, the actual proper app store. So two of Todd's sessions. I'll probably go to both of those. Yep. Really good. I'm not, I'm not actually going to too many of the web directs. I imagine you, you've got your panel, FileMaker right. Web Direct Successes, but in yeah. the web, uh, I know that Mike Birgi, I think that's how you, I don't know how you say his last Birgi, name. yeah, he's one of my panelists. He is, uh, he's got one, I believe, that he's doing a session on web direct, if I'm not mistaken. I may be. I don't know. Under the hood, maximizing yeah. FileMaker web direct scalability. Yeah, that's Vinadala. He's the main uh, product manager within FileMaker on WebDirect. And other, other things too, but yeah, that'll be great. Oh, I never saw this one. In, under the innovation section, you've got e-payments in FileMaker apps. Oh, that's Mike. Mike's going to be doing that. That's going <laughs> to be interesting. E-payments. I wonder what he's going to do because I've looked at the, uh, the – FileMaker, well, not FileMaker, the Apple uh, thing. If you want mm-hmm. to do something that is like a recurring basis, you have to go through their API. And I, I doubt he's going to be addressing that. It would be a question that I would have is if he's figured that out. Um, a way to actually integrate that if you're going to have a custom app that you build for release in the Apple App Store, mm-hmm. is there a way for you to hook into Apple's recurring payments because you really aren't supposed to do it outside of the app? I mean, you can do right. it out, outside of the app, but the user has to have already established the recurring billing outside of the app. Right. You've seen, you've seen that big brouhaha with uh, Spotify, right? I did. Yeah. I do remember that. So, I mean, which sort of sucks. I mean, Apple... They're already taking a percentage of the app that you sell. Then they want mm-hmm. a percentage of all the recurring. In it's like they're just making themselves ultra fat cats. I know, but it's also it makes it super easy for the developer to not have to to create that. It's a, a scale thing, right? So if you have, um, if you if you want to just plug into that, and you don't want to have to build it because you're not going to be making billions of dollars on it, whatever. <clears throat> um, I, actually, it's kind of a really mid-scale thing because if you're making a ton of money, then you, then the amount of money you're making is so much that giving some to Apple is not really painful. And if the at the other end, if it's a really really small thing, and and it would be a high cost of engineering to build something. But but even integrating a FileMaker to Apple Pay within the app, so like so you can just have a, a built-in purchase. I don't even know how to do that, so I'm looking forward to to seeing what he's talking about. Yep, that would be a good one. Very rapid development with data-driven schema. That would be an interesting one. I don't have it on my uh, schedule. That's from Peter Cross mm-hmm. at Villard. I hope that's how you say it, Construction. Um, I haven't seen him speak before. I haven't either. Anything that uses the word schema 
uh, and talking about it in a different way is definitely going to be potentially contentious and cause some discussion. And I love those two things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. In fact, um, I really am trying to keep everything out of my schema. I'm Me too. I'm trying to do all of my logic completely separate with schema. Yep. Me too. Um, but I'm open to being wrong. And I want to, I, so I'm, I always love looking at other things. And maybe he's actually, I don't know, maybe we're misunderstanding that one. So, uh, but it, yeah. It, I, it just tends to increase your, uh, your management hassle sometimes, having to manage your logic within your schema versus managing just your schema. Yeah, there's some things that are kind of scary. Like um, if you've got, let's say you have a relationship between company and um, person. And on five different places on your graph, um, those two those two tables are connected. Um, you know, if you if you're using uh, table occurrence groups that don't connect to each other, and in one of those, um, there's a the checkbox is checked so that if you delete a record in company, then all the people related to that company are also deleted. Referential integrity, right? Right. Now, if you're on a layout that's not based on that table occurrence, and you delete a record, what will happen? Well, it still deletes all those records. Right. If you have any Not, relationship that says when this parent is deleted, delete these yep. children, it happens. That's yeah, even if it's in a different file that happens to be open. If that relationship exists in an interface file, sure. Or in the, in in a data file and you're in the interface file and no relationship in the interface file will delete, but the data file says it will, then it'll delete. Oh yeah, it's it's an instruction. FileMaker walks yeah. across all connections from the current table that you're on mm-hmm. to any children child tables and says do i have any instructions that says kill these if so they're gone uh, on the so on one hand it's terrifying on the other hand it's inc- it's extremely convenient and it prevents um you know uh, a lot of orphaned records so what i've been thinking about lately is like a dedicated tog that just has the referential integrity stuff correctly set Oh, that's what so, I do. Like, that's what you do? Yeah, most of, the, most of the stuff that I design, well, since I've been doing this mobile stuff lately, when I do the data separation model, the only graph that ha- is in my data file is my integrity. So hmm. it's the only one that has uh, my cascading deletes. Right, right, right. All of my creates exist in my UI file. So I don't put any creates in my data file. The data file is just what happens if this record is deleted. Hmm. And that's pretty much it. I don't, I actually, yeah, so that's good. I think I do it a little even differently than that. I don't like create almost ever turned on on a, on a uh, relationship because I prefer to create, I don't like the way that it looks on a portal because it shows you with another line you can just click and making it. I think that's a very strange UI pattern and it doesn't exist in anywhere else outside of FileMaker. Right. So I am, um, but what does exist everywhere outside of FileMaker is a plus button on top of the portal. Right, and so I just use that and have a script uh, by whatever mechanism create a record, and so you can do like a um, what do they call those? Not an ultra key, but there's a, a tricky key method that creates related records. Um, us, um, usually, I do it lately with perform script on server, or depending upon the uh, the table, the nature of the data that I'm making. But so pretty I, much, I make it script based. Have you used the uh, the uh, false? Portal method, where you you ultimately end up with two relationships. Mm-hmm. One relationship has the create on, the other relationship is just your standard relationship where you're going to display records. So mm-hmm. you've got a portal, and the display records relationship has mm-hmm. you know however many you're going to show five or whatever. You then put the create relationship that portal above the portal with, of your list of records. It only has one record or one row that you're going to show. It's Mm non-scrolling, and you set the filter to basically false. And when you set the filter on a portal to false, it shows the last record of a relationship. And when that last record allows creation, that's simply just the last portal row, but you're able to show it anywhere you want. Oh, Because you're only showing one row. So a filtered portal based on false will show you the row that's waiting for you to create a record. And if you oh, just, and you could put that like above or below your portal, depending on how you like it to look. Yeah, you and can put it anywhere. 
and that's usable just for making related records and you don't have to do a script. No, I've, I have not used that technique and I love that idea. Exactly. No, it's, um, I forget where I saw that, but I, I think it was like, I don't know, like four years ago or something. Yeah. Some, I, I opened this portal and there's a filter on it and I'm like, false? What the, <laughs> what the heck are you just putting false for? And it made sense because most yeah. of the time when I was identifying whether a row was valid or not, I was using the is valid function. And it just it dawned on me like false. That's right. This is basically a false row. It's not an existing mm-hmm. row with data. Yeah. And if I just show one row, I can put it anywhere. Aha! This is cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but, but then my religious apologist uh, thing goes off where now you have two relationships. You, now you're using the graph for a UI trick. Yes, you are. <laughs> but if you use the selector connector model, you're only going to uh, be using. A minimal oh, number of those, you're not attaching them off of every one of your primary uh, That's true. table occurrences. Well, my problem with selector connector is also a religious problem because that's also using the graph or UI trick to a, oh, to some, to a degree. A massive UI trick if you... Yeah, if, it's if true. You, if you have aversions to having everything connected to everything, yeah, uh, you, you'll probably avoid selector connector. Yeah. Or, but, but again, it I has it huge utility. Tables. So it's got oh. value. Huge. I mean, huge. If you're, I, and nobody, nothing says you can't use multiple models of sele- multiple selector connectors. For example, mm-hmm. if your graph starts to end up with 50, you know, 60, 70 interconnected segment, break mm-hmm. it down. Because the connection of a, of a global to global relationship really isn't that consequential, especially right. if you can set that global to be null so that it, when FileMaker gets to the point where it's evaluating its list of relationships, it just hits that. It's like, okay, there's nothing here. I don't need to care about it. So you get to control whether it's connected to that connecting table with all the globals or not, if you want. And the performance impact, from what I've heard from larger systems, really isn't that great. So I think we've gotten through all of the areas of DevCon except for business, right? Is there any other sessions you want to talk about in core design, mobility web, or innovation? I think I've... I didn't go through the core. I didn't look at the core a whole lot myself. There, some, of those, some of those might not be advanced. Of course, you and I, were definitely geeking out much more on the advanced stuff. Yeah. Under, under the hood server performance is always great. And I was just looking at under the hood PSR benchmarking. I've been into that uh, a few times, just finding out where things are slower. I don't, I don't have that on my schedule, but who's giving that? James Kui, uh, or Key. I don't know how he's pronounce that but right. he's from filemaker himself so mm-hmm. that would actually be interesting oh this is the one where they're talking about oh no i might have this one on my schedule yeah 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 this is the one where they talk about how they actually benchmark filemaker before they actually release hmm. so in other words filemaker is just this massive code base that, uh, from my understanding, is actually goes across multiple different languages. They've got some C, some C++. Mm-hmm. I think they even had old Pascal in there or something. But their regression testing, when they are going to deploy a new version, they have these, like, um, from what I've heard, these monster systems that are just atrociously built. <laughs> but you can imagine, this is something that's really interesting in the world of FileMaker. The fact that they carry forward for year after year without actually breaking people's files because of their regression testing Mm -hmm. is a significant testament to what we are able to, what we're spoiled by basically here. So true. I I work in Drupal and Drupal, when it goes from, uh, it's a content management system, PHP based, when they go from one major version to another, you basically have to migrate. So they're gonna, you're going to have to take your data out and have a migration all the way mm-hmm. up. They're not going to do a conversion for you where it's just instantly going to work. You've got to wait for you know, add-ons and modules to be revised, to be recoded to the new code base, to the new way of things that they're doing there. Right. And like so, a FileMaker 6 to 7 thing, you know? Ex- like every time. Yeah. Every time it would be, okay, oh. you've got... And that... That is a hassle. That's a management nightmare. So, I mean, kudos to FileMaker for all these years for having uh, done that. True. And there's a lot of stuff, stuff they do that we take for granted. <laughs> we focus on the one feature that we really want that didn't make it into this version. Yep. <laughs> Very much so. 
Um, Mark Richman from Skeleton Key usually does a really cool tech one. I don't know if I saw yes. it, but he's doing that, but he's doing one on developing a sales process. See, one of the things that I think is fascinating in the FileMaker world is a lot of people like Mark have were super geeky tech developers, which uh, fast forward over a period of 10 years or whatever, they become, they've got this large company. Now they've got 10, 15 developers, and the guy who owns the company can no longer really do the development anymore. Yeah. So, because they don't have time, they have to be out there selling and doing demos and training sales reps and, or not training sales reps, but like, uh, you know, uh, doing project management and working with project managers and hiring people and all the other things that, that now all of a sudden take their time. Stuff that's happening to you. Well, yeah, I'm fighting it, but that's what's happening to me because I still really want to be doing a lot of FileMaker. Um, so some people, I think, like Mark, really don't do a lot of development anymore. They still are very; they could still pass a certification test with his eyes closed. He still knows FileMaker cold inside and out, but don't develop with it all day every day like he used to. Yeah. Um, he's always he's always had good in depth stuff because he's he's willing to get down there and you know get in the trenches and use the tools. Yep. Yeah. Plus, he also has a staff of people that are um, that can do a lot of the research. So he doesn't have to learn 100% of it himself. He can kind of have his staff really help to do a lot of testing. They've done so much stuff on like optimizing for server speed and, and things like that. So yeah, the sales process thing for me, you know, since I'm growing my little company, uh, I'm very interested in that. Very nice. You know, here's an interesting one. The positioning pigeonhole yourself. That's uh-huh. uh, John Stark coming yes. back into the community and he's been heavily promoting himself outside as a um, he went he went, for a long time he was mobile, really pushing the mobile thing. Now he's mm-hmm. uh, doing a little bit of a pivoting and switching into a value based billing. Yes, so well, I value pricing, yeah, or value, yeah, value yeah. pricing, something that Kirk Bauman's been doing fixed, for a fixed long pricing. time. Yeah, yeah, Kirk actually is in, um, really totally on that scheme to the point. Um, where he's now no longer in FileMaker at all. Now he's just doing. He actually has another podcast and a bunch of other things that he that he does in that value world. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I know it's a it's a big thing. People are wanting to get off of their hourly and stuff like that. Yeah. So I had a really good discussion um, with him about that at, at the uh, Finder Moose conference. Um, in fact, I, I recorded part of that and I never released it. I should really find that and release it, even though it's late. Or just you know do have another conversation with him about it because I think his his uh, he's evolved that more for tailoring it for FileMaker developers because um, it's very different. I think what he's talking about for the pigeonholing thing is be, become a, the world greatest expert you know within reason at one thing at your one thing, and so like for example, uh, really understanding what it is to build apps for uh, custom veterinary clinics. You know, like SpecVet, Dave Wools, being understanding that business better than anybody else, and knowing it better than your competitors, and taking better care of customers in that business, in that segment. I think, though, that with FileMaker, FileMaker is kind of that segment. So you can take like FileMaker plus any other type of business, and those two things together are kind of a, a very, very narrow focus of expertise. Mm. Um, so I'm really curious. Uh, well, to you know, to to learn more about that and to kind of think about it from that way, I still think there's value in taking and finding what your what your uh, core strength is and how to you know make that into your career as much as possible and, and to find happiness and um, and monetary success by focusing on the one area that you're really really good at. You, you've totally done this with your company with design, with the tools that you've added and with the magazine. I think you're you're all the way down that. I've yeah, I've I've worked on it as best as I can. I mean, the filemaker market as a whole, I think we're on a slight uptrend right now, but it's been a plateau for a long time. So I yeah. mean, depending on how you position yourself, you're you have to have a market there that's going to be able to bear what you want to get out of the market. Mm-hmm. So the filemaker developer market itself relative to let's say the PHP developer market or the JavaScript node developer market is like a tiny slice of a pie out of the right. whole pie of development. So like if I wanted to make the much bigger bucks, I would switch to, you know, providing demos and videos on, a, you know, a much larger technology basis. 
Yeah. Well, then you're a much you're a smaller fish in a bigger pond. Correct. Yeah. But I mean, I have this affinity, and FileMaker keeps calling me, "Come back, come back." Yeah. Use yeah. Well, <laughs> use. <laughs> I totally understand that. And fortunately, FileMaker is actually listening to developers these days and putting in like, you know, incrementally cool stuff that developers want that mm-hmm. you have in other technologies. I still don't have regex. Come on, FileMaker engineers, it's <laughs> free. It's not that hard. <laughs> but hey, look, there's your one feature. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has been my one feature since like yeah. e two thousand five, and they never put it in. It's like one library. Perl regular expressions, freely yeah. available, can be integrated into anything. Just make two functions. Just put it in. They've got all that kind of other stuff, but hey, that's my soapbox stepping down. What's cool is the FileMaker, um, the uh, product suggestion page, that, that feature in the community site where you can suggest a feature and people can vote it up or down. Right. Now they've actually implemented a bunch of those into 15. So they'll actually say, okay, we've done this one. <laughs> yes. And there's several of those are actually on there now, including ones that are deleted. So my favorite deletion feature is they deleted the the uh, scroll wheel behavior to, to go through from record to record. I've always hated that um, because, you know, switching from if you've got a huge detailed record, going from one record to the next is not a casual thing. Yeah. You know, you've got a stack of one-to-one relationships with the different record types. You've got very complex on record load scripts. It might take, you know, a third of a second for the record to load. And if someone goes in and goes zoop on their mouse and all of a sudden scrolls through 40 records. And I'm um, smiling so hard right now because the first time that I ever found that happening, I was looking at a record and I recall it distinctly. I was looking at the record and I had just moused up to the menu. Uh-huh. The mouse came down off the menu, and it just happened to be over that li- the little record, the, yep. the card icon. Yeah, on the Mac. Yeah, and I had no idea what would happen. Mm-hmm. I, I flicked the, the wheel, and I'm expecting the, the page to actually scroll down mm-hmm. to, be, to, you know, to see a smaller part of the thing. No, instead it goes... Brrr. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like 50 or 60 records away. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what was that? I didn't yeah. even know that, that, that the scroll wheel would do that when you yep. were over that little card indicator. That was funny. Now, the expected behavior on the Mac used to be if you're over the card indicator to flip from records. But on Windows, it was the whole layout. So if you were in browse mode anywhere and you, and you accidentally touched your super sensitive mouse, poof, you're on another record and editing <laughs> a record that you in- didn't intend to be on. So that I, I, I know there's people who feel strongly about it on the other side of the um, uh, equation from me, but that was one personally that I'm really glad to see. Uh, and also I think the feature was suggested by my friend Tom Fitch, the, the deletion of a feature. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Nice. So what else have we got? We got um, the 10-hour project. Um, this one I think is going to be very interesting. Ronnie Rios from FileMaker talked to a bunch of developers about uh, what, uh, like the idea to iPad thing, which I've done a couple of now. Um, what can you actually deliver to a client in 10 hours and how can we provide value for a customer in that? And what does a 10-hour project lead to? Hmm. That I'm looking forward to for sure. I did. There are a lot of things that you can do. I did something. I'm a, I involved in my local uh, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts here where I live, and I helped them out with a solution that I did for them over the course of, like, three days. And, I mean, night it's going to be night and day in terms of what they were doing before and now. I mean, just the amount of paperwork that a lot of organizations still manage is just astonishing. And all I did was I did a simple connection between a Google form so I just set up an online Google form, mm-hmm. and then I set up a database with a routine import that'll import that, and it uses the because uh, any Google form captures a new entry with a timestamp. Yeah, and that timestamp In, is into consistent. a Google Doc spreadsheet, basically. Yeah, and so that that is your your primary key for the purpose of import, and you just import over on top of it, update your existing set, add your new records. Boom, you get your new data in, and then you get all of the advantages of FileMaker that you don't have in a Google Sheet or an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that wasn't, that was probably less than 10 hours total, and it's going to save them hundreds of hours. So, which, nice by job. the way, uh, coincided with uh, I recently updated the magazine site, so I figured I'd throw that out there. 
Oh, nice. That You've been working on that for a long time. Oh, gosh, it's been a year. I've been working like crazy. I wanted to switch over to using Vimeo for my video delivery instead really? of me being responsible for it. Yeah. And Why so, not YouTube? Uh, YouTube does not allow you to lock down videos. Vimeo will allow you to lock down videos so that they can only be played on a domain basis. Oh, okay. So I can control whether a certain video plays or not on the magazine website based on whether the user is logged in. Otherwise, oh, okay. I see they that. can't play the video oh, off yeah, of Vimeo yeah. unless it's through my domain. So you could have like a private movie on YouTube that requires a password or something like that, but you can't have it be locked to only work if the user is logged into the site. Right. Got it. Got it. Based got it. on a specific domain. So That's I've been wanting- nice. Oh, it's... It's a dream, and plus uh, the ability they have downloads. I can use their converted downloads mm-hmm. to, to provide to people. So it's just been a lot easier for me. But, yes, it's been a, a year I've been working on this off and on with my other stuff. FileMakerMagazine.com. Ooh, I like that you got the big old aptitude for apps thing. Oh, and it's fully mobile, all the way down to an iPhone 4. So Oh, I have a 3GS, so it won't work on that. <laughs> I have not tested. I've only tested down on a 5. <laughs> no, I don't have a 3GS. I have an Apple 2GS. That's what I use. Oh, that was that was weak. <laughs> and I'm wondering how many people don't even know what um, an Apple 2GS is. <laughs> Gosh, ancient days, ancient days. Yeah, for sure. So I'm looking forward to DevCon. I mean, most of all, I'm looking forward to seeing my friends, spending time. People like you, sir. And you, sir. That would be good. Yep. I'm hoping. What do you think? If they do it at Vegas again for a third year, are you just going to be like, Well, I don't hate Vegas. I mean, I just got back from places that were actually even hotter than there. (laughs) Or as hot, anyway. I'm ready for a new place. I'm prepped for that. Well, where you live is really hot, too. But yeah, it's, it's just so, I don't know, Vegas, I guess. I'm hoping at the end they announce somewhere else. Yeah, me too. There's big, wide-open spaces in, you know, Midwest, so... Well, yeah, it has to have... It has to have there are a whole bunch of things it has to do, though, to be uh, a conference. Um, I'm trying to think... Oh, yeah, I was thinking if they've ever had them in the East, and yeah, of course they did, Florida. Yeah, I went to that one. But never Northeast, huh? Oh, how about some, like gigantic lodge up in montana <laughs> there's got to be well, a lot of people there. like fishing and backpacking oh, get sure, outdoors, that'd be great, but, yeah, but you know getting there like i was riding. just about to suggest philadelphia which is a great city and a good place to have it but like coming from here you there are no direct flights that go from portland to philadelphia you have to go to, to some other city so the just the mechanics of travel are an issue yeah. which is why we'll never see a place like um well, like, for example, Toronto, Canada would be totally awesome also. And that would be really easy to, to get to. But that means everybody who goes would have to have a passport. And embarrassingly, a lot of Americans don't. That would uh, be interesting and out of, out of U.S. DevCon that, yeah. uh, for U.S. people. You know? Sure. Well, it's not for U.S. people because a lot of people from all of North America. Well, I, I, I meant something that's predominantly yeah, I know. U.S. citizens attending. But Toronto would be an awesome city. I'm sure Alexis wouldn't mind him coming. I don't know that that's her hometown, but Canada. Interesting. There's a bunch of developers in Toronto that are are great. Actually, there's a big big FileMaker community there. Um, Yeah, or Vancouver, BC. But yeah, that's, you know, the corners of the country. Well, that's where they often do them, though, right? (laughs) You know, Southern California is a corner of the country. All the way to opposite end, Florida. Yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, Miami. I mean, doesn't the only the only farther spot that Miami is Cuba, and that's no longer U.S. Nothing in New York. Nope. They haven't done any New Yorkers. Yeah, or anywhere in the Northeast, as far as I can think. Yeah. Well, it'll be what it whatever it's going to be. So. I think they like California or that area because there's a ton of educators in California that can only go to a conference. If it's in California or an adjoining state. Yeah, so California, Nevada, hmm. maybe not even Arizona. That's an interesting theory. And probably not Oregon, because that's still pretty far away from California, even though we're adjoining. 
it's a thousand miles from here in Portland to Southern California. Wow. We should think about doing our FM train thing, the one thing we did once. Yes. Train, train on a train. Training. That was, that was pretty fun. It was fun. Let's, I'll do another one. Let's do another one. Let's put one in the works. I've been doing training at least four times a year. Uh, I like it. I think I'm going to start doing more. I've been, I, I'm just about to finish a book um, on developing expertise. And um, I know we're trying to wrap up here, but it's called Peak, Secrets from the New Science of Expertise by Anders Ericsson. Um, and it talks about, like you've heard about the 10,000-hour rule in developing expertise. Yeah. But I'm, and he kind of goes way beyond that. He's talking about what it really is about is um, a type of practice that's not just repeating the same thing over and over, but a type of practice where you're always a little bit out of your comfort zone and have a really specific measurable goal. And you can easily think about this in something like sports or music where you're trying to learn a piece of music on the piano or trying to run a, a you know, half marathon in a certain time. But I'm really, really trying to wrap my brain around how can, as FileMaker developers, we use these ideas um, to gain expertise in FileMaker steadily over a long period of time and become better, faster, smarter at other aspects of it. And it's basically kind of outside. It's not. It's not focusing just on the skills, but it's fo- focusing on on outside of that. Mm. Um, so anyway, I just offer a subscription to my magazine. That's a good way. <laughs> but I mean, there has to be like a um, really intentional practice, though. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh, sorry, I had to throw the plug in there. Yeah, no, the magazine's great. Everybody <laughs> should have that. Oh wow! All right, buddy. I will see you in a couple of days. Yeah. I think that's going to be a good DevCon this year. Listen to the smooth radio. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to FileMaker. (laughs) We are FileMaker Talk Podcast. Until next episode.